You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. This is your host, Father Jason Leffer. And uh, uh, Santa Claus is, uh, he is flying in Father Gross, who will be joining me shortly. He's coming from Grand Forks to join me. I'm eager. I'm, I'm, it's like Pope John Paul II always talked about the church breathes with two lungs, the East and the West, you know, and we on this show breathe with two lungs, Father Gross and Father Leffer. So I'm kind of limping along here, but... Janelle Shanilak is sitting in, doing an adequate job of her, her, her prayer, her charm, and her joy. Could you laugh for everybody, Janelle? You have such a beautiful <laughs> laugh. There she is. And we're here in, in the J-Mart in Pisic, North Dakota, with, surrounded by five tons of candy. But uh, the candy's almost all gone, you know. But, so, but if you hurry before Christmas, you can, you can still get it on the, the delicious candy here. Now, uh, we have Straight Talk coming up, so... One eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two one eight seven 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 nine five zero one two. There's a number of ways that you can get your questions, comments, concerns on. You can come to the J Mart. I'll put you on air live with me. So anybody in the area wants to come on, get on. You can come and join us there. You can you can go to the website. You can type in there. You can go to the Facebook page. If you have my phone number, you can call me or text me or email me, and I'll, I'll get those on. I already have some questions coming in. We have some customers sitting here around the counter. They're um, having them busily write some questions and, and comments as well, so they're coming in. Now, Janelle, you're doing pretty well. <laughs> All I have to do is sit here, and I'm amazed at how good you are, Father. You know what? You are such a natural. <laughs> if I, w- I would have guessed that you would have been in radio before you had become a priest you know i think my theology professor he said you know jason do you have a point to what you're saying or do you just like to hear yourself talk <laughs> <laughs> so we, we might as well put the gift of gab to work you know we we've got that we've got that gospel today about it's about zechariah you know and he's talking about john is becoming the voice and the, the voice proclaims and then it brings the word the voice fades but the word of christ remains right so hopefully Hopefully, I'm not just full of blather. Hopefully, that my voice actually does carry the word, and it, it affects people, and they they really do, you know, come closer to the Lord. Ultimately, that's my goal in every one of these things. So, well, I'm really appreciate the fact that you come on the radio when you do, and Father Gross, and you make a good team, and we thank you for taking the time out well, to ju- do this for us. You know, Janelle. Th- three years ago i asked for you to be my co-host and somehow you got out of it so i got you on here just for a couple of minutes i, I was telling everybody they need a, they need a janelle shanelak in their closet you know just to take her out and, and and make her feel make you feel great not at all not at all that's great there he is there he is just as the 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 phone is ringing the phone is ringing for straight talk and uh, my my other lung has walked in father gross has arrived here at the jmart this is the time everyone welcome father gross it's great to have you it's great to have you a lot uh, uh, around how, how are your travels down up i-29 and over to pisic good morning padre good morning everyone it was just wonderful um being able to come up uh the interstate and see some of these wonderful landmarks in our diocese uh, saint stanislaus parish in warsaw and sacred heart in minto and then your home parish here saint john napomacene so it's uh really reminds me of what a jewel in the diocese of fargo these communities and these townships in walsh county 
really and are. Obviously, we're very good friends of Father uh, Jared Cadillac. And, Indeed, and this a native his, son. Native son. This is his hometown. We are proud to be here and beautiful. Now, have you been to Pisic previously, Father? Gross? Yes, yes, I've been here a couple of different times before. Um, never able to really spend much time, basically stopping in and passing through. So, a more much more important question: Have you ever been to the J Mart? This is the very first time. I am sad to say, and it certainly won't be the last. I uh, have a little bit of a shopping list in order to pick up some goodies for family members and friends before I leave today. It, it honestly is a great place to get gifts for, for people for Christmas. That is absolutely true. Um, the, so as you come... No, Okay, don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot there, okay. Father Chris, but were you listening on the way in? Yes, for a bit. Uh, <laughs> so I, I really appreciate the history that uh, Francis gave us of uh, the community and this particular building. Awesome. And, okay, yes. thanks for being, oh, being on board with us, Father Gross, and thanks for your safe travels. Okay, so here we are, our Straight Talk segment. This is where we want to hear from you. Father Gross and I hear ourselves all the time. We want to hear from you, what's on your hearts and your minds. And uh, that number that you can join us live on air is 877-795-0122. Or you can, you can go to the web uh, page, Your Catholic Radio Station, and you can submit a question that way or the Facebook page. Or if you have Father Gross's number, my number, we'll, we'll take things there. We have some wonderful people uh, present this morning who are submitting questions as well. So, Father Gross, I want to check base with you. We didn't have time to touch. So, yeah. what's in your heart or your mind this morning? Is there any pressing thing there that, that you have as you bring in that you say, hey, I really want to get this on the air this morning? One thing I was thinking of, particularly as I uh, was able to uh, celebrate Holy Mass for our parish community earlier this morning before coming up here, these final weekdays in the season of Advent, season of Advent before uh, Christmas, we really turn the corner and start looking more carefully at the infancy narratives from the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. And uh, today's Gospel reading uh, for today's Mass particularly brings up a, an interesting figure in uh, Zechariah, um, not to be confused with the prophet of the same name in the Old Testament, but the father of John the Baptist. He and Elizabeth were advanced in age and uh, sadly had not been able to conceive children. But while Zechariah, a priest in the temple, was performing service in the sanctuary, uh, the angel Gabriel appeared to him with the announcement that he and Elizabeth were to have a child to be named John, who would come in the power and the spirit of Elijah. That is a great phrase. And Zechariah, I think, represents a lot of the sluggishness of heart that was manifest among prior generations by saying, how am I to know this? You know, so Zechariah is essentially saying, you know, I'm going to dictate to you, God, what you cannot do, uh, instead of saying, uh, you know, show me what you intend to do, show me what you, you uh, are able to do. So the way I look at that is, it's it's unfortunate in a sense because of Zechariah's attitude, but it's a good lesson for us because it shows us kind of that result of our fallen human nature that we are going to denounce or be a slow of heart to believe what God is planning to do and, and not really willing to see with God's eyes what is possible. So that's... You and know, that is such a powerful insight, just for, for myself, as I hear you saying it, but our listeners, that challenge of trusting the Lord in dark times. The, I mean, this is a dark time. It's, you know, the light has not come in the darkness. And do we, it's easy to be faithful when things are going well, but how about when things aren't going well? Or, or you know, or a challenging word from the hard word from the Lord comes, mm-hmm. are we going to believe or not? Right. And, and I, I love I love God's response to the angel through 
Zechariah's situation, which is he didn't abandon him. He didn't condemn him. He worked with him in his questioning. Mm-hmm. He says, okay, now you're going to become prophetic. You're going to go silent. So when the voice, who is John, is born, mm-hmm. you prophesy that he's the voice. Right. And the, the way that the gospel reading uh, unfolds this, it's, it's somewhat dramatic. In the first place, it takes longer than the people expect who are outside of the sanctuary of the temple. They're wondering what happened to Zechariah. And he comes out, and they realize he's unable to speak. And so eventually they uh, come to realize he's seen some sort of vision. And uh, it, it just unfolds very dramatically. And, and the phone number to, to get on air is 877-795-0122, 877-795-0122. And I, and I just want to complete what you're talking about with these days of Advent, because we are in the O Antiphons, or it's known as the Christmas Novena. It doesn't mean it's Christmas time. It means it's the nine days leading up to the Feast of Christmas that starts the Christmas season. And we're in these O Antiphons. You might know it through the, the, the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to read for our listeners the... Antiphon, the prophecy for today. So this whole day is about, um, O stump of Jesse, you stand as a signal for the nations. Kings fall silent before you whom the peoples acclaim. O come to deliver us and do not delay. And talks about that shoot, the little stem coming off of right. a dead stump. You know? Yes, yes, the stump, the, uh, the, the stem, the, the root of the tree of Jesse. Jesse is the father of King David, and his family is the one to which Samuel turned when, the, when King Saul, uh, the present king of Israel at that time, had uh, basically disobeyed God's commands for him and, and sought instead to establish the king kingship in his own image and God instructed Samuel to go to Bethlehem to the house of Jesse that one of his sons is going to be anointed as the new king of Israel and that itself is a great scene too because Jesse the proud dad is is presenting these older sons who are probably tall and strong and strapping and Samuel comes up to each one one at a time and is kind of waiting and waiting and he's not getting any signs and and so the 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 happy thought occurs to him do you have any more sons and then Jesse's sort of reluctantly saying yeah there's the the runt who's out and you but know you, the you, you don't want to see him. He, he's he just, just yeah he, the, the 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 kid who's uh, taking care of the sheep and stuff like that and then samuel says well we're going to wait until he shows up and then when he does all these bells and whistles are going off in samuel's head and god's saying that's him that's him anoint him do it do it so so yeah. don't overlook the runt that's the moral of the story. Don't overlook the dead stump where there's a little tiny green thing growing Many parishes also have what they call the Jesse Tree Program, where they invite parishioners to um, purchase and provide gifts for specific uh, charitable causes uh, throughout the community. I know we at St. Mary's and Grand Forks have been doing that for quite some time. So that's another application of that a particular character from the uh, Old Testament. You know, and, and that brings up a little point, too. Um, the number given on air is 877-795-0122 here on, on um, Real Presence Live with Father Gross and I for Straight Talk. The <clears throat> Has this ever happened to you? you know, like, we're, we're priests, and we're, we're used to helping people and providing for people and, people, you know, and giving. Like, mm-hmm. I'm used to, like, going to the Jesse Tree, grabbing a thing and bringing a gift, to, you know. But here recently... I was just taken aback because this this mom came up to me. She saw the tree. She looked at me and she said, how can I get something from that tree for my children? Ah. And, she, mm-hmm. and I was so mm-hmm. taken aback. And what I was taken aback is this. 
first of all, her humility to ask. And the second thing was it, it just it flipped me upside down because I, I'm used to being the one who, you know, you go and you provide. Yeah. And, I, and, it, just, and it just took me to my knees because I realized, like, wow, the humility of not being afraid and to ask. And I thought, mm-hmm. do I have that humility? Am I able to actually go before the Lord and ask for my needs? Or, you know, I, I mean, it really changes around. Like to, And I, I realized I had no idea how to tell her how to get the gifts for her children, yeah. even though yeah. we have the tree there and we're doing it. And it, mm-hmm. anyway, it was, again, it was one of those okay. Advent moments kind of thing. Right. And throughout the Gospels, there are numerous places where Jesus is imploring us to ask for what you need. And, and maybe... So why don't we? Well, <laughs> m- you know, maybe we're thinking to ourselves, it's an unselfish motive. It's, you know, just a, a want or that sort of thing. But rather than to avoid asking altogether, to discern those things so as to... Yeah, so as to truly ask for what we need. And I recently had a man say to me, he said, look, if it's worth worrying about, it's worth asking or praying to God to help you. There you go. He said, no matter how small. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're going to hop over to Eli in Fargo. I think, uh, do we have some? Okay. So we we do have a caller from Kathy in Fargo. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. Good morning, Kathy. What's on your heart or your mind this morning? Well, I have a question about requirements for the diaconate. Could a young man, say, 35, 40-year-old married man with children, study and become a deacon in the Catholic Church, or does it need to be an older... Right. Okay. Yes. Um, I think I'll take a step back before we start uh, answering the specifics of that question, that the order of the diaconate, as it is realized in the Catholic Church today, has a couple of different forms. There are what we call transitional deacons of those who are preparing for the priesthood, who are ordained to that order of diaconate and serve typically for about a year's time before being ordained priests. But when someone, whether they are single or married, is uh, discerning a call to the permanent diaconate, um, yes, there is a a minimum age according to canon law. Now, individual dioceses may have different policies with regard to this. One of the things that I've heard is that in discerning a call to the permanent diaconate, uh, typically um, a a diocese or a bishop will ask uh, a man, especially a married man with a family if they have small children, if it would be better for them to perhaps put that on hold in terms of their formation until the children are of a a little bit older age. Um, And we can talk about kind of the conventional wisdom behind that. Um, There are times, I think, shortly after the Second Vatican Council, in various dioceses where we saw certain men ordained to the permanent diaconate, perhaps as young as their uh, upper 30s, you know, early 40s, various things like that. And, um, you know, one in our diocese in particular is celebrating at the end of this month his 40th anniversary of ordination as a permanent deacon. He was among the first class when it was restored in the Diocese of Fargo. But I I, I typically come across uh, the advice given that uh, a man should be of a somewhat advanced age rather than in the heart of you know, changing diapers and, and a lot of those other things in terms of their vocation. And, and I know, so to get a very precise answer to that, um, you start by talking to your pastor at, at your local parish who would then be in contact with the vocation director who could answer that specifically. And in our, in our case, um, our great um, vocation director for, for our diocese. Father Kyle Metzger. 
Father Kyle Metzger, and you could his information is on the website, and he would be very happy to speak with you about any individual concerns. Mm -hmm. Another interesting thing, when it comes to a permanent deacon, if a man is married prior to being ordained as a deacon and uh, his spouse passes away, the understanding is that part of their commitment is to embrace uh, celibacy following that point. So they make a commitment that they will not remarry, um, which is something that I think a lot of people don't quite realize. And, and they would individually bear the responsibility for children or dependents at that point. Mm -hmm. So it's, it really is, is, is quite a deal there. Yeah. Is, is that helpful, Kathy? Very much so. Okay. Thank you so very much. Very informative. Thanks we, we th again. Yes, we thank you and God's blessings to you this day. Again, the phone number here is 877 to get on Straight Talk with Father Gross and myself, Father Leffer. Okay. Yes. Um, earlier, Francis, was, was he was um, giving testimony through Candy, the the angel something candy. I forget the name of it. But so we have Angel a, Food, I think, is yeah, what it was. Yeah, it was Angel making. Food okay. something. I can't, okay. Which I loved Angel Food. When we were growing up, that's what we got for our birthdays. It was an Angel Food cake. Oh, that's okay. how you knew it was your birthday. Okay. <laughs> well, here we have a, a question from our listener, Debbie. Wonderful. And her question, it's about angels, and it says, Can you please explain seraphim and cherubim? Okay, okay. now... I'll take a stab at this and mm -hmm. then fill in anything that I, I'm not sure about. Okay. okay, so what I do know is that there's nine choirs of angels. Mm -hmm. The seraphim and the cher cherubim, they are at the highest levels. I know that the, the uh, so the lowest levels would be like uh, guardian, uh, guardian angels, right? Angels, archangels, and then there are a number of other choirs the sort of in the middle. dominions, blah, blah, blah. Which, uh, for the most part, I think are alluded to in the letters of St. Paul. That's so right. when He's it comes to sacred scripture, that's kind of the primary place now, of reference. The thing about the seraphim is they're, they're the highest, the closest, and I know that the word, it comes from the the. Hebrew Aramaic language, seraphim, it means literally the burning ones. Ah. It means the burning mm -hmm. ones that are so close. And this is why, so it's, and they're burning because they're so close to God and the pure. So, and this is why a lot of people don't think about this, but like, um, oftentimes they'll talk about hell or the deepest level of hell as being frozen or cold mm -hmm. because you take what you were, yeah. you're the highest angel, the closest, you're burning mm -hmm. like on fire of love. Right. If you flip that thing over and go to the, the, the furthest point down, yep. it's the opposite. Which in is Dante's frozen. Inferno, he envisions uh, the deepest circles of hell as being uh, a place where Satan, for example, is encased in ice. So rather than thinking of it as a smoldering hot, you know, environment. Yeah. And I know the Old Testament has these visions of the seraphim church, and it speaks about them having six wings covering below, yep, above. Two, two in the face, face and two in the front. And, and again, yes. it has to do with reverence before God, so close to the throne of God and, and, mm -hmm. and worshiping and praising him night and day. Yep. Okay. Okay, so on our phone line right now, we have Lucia from Holly, Minnesota. Good morning, Lucia. Good morning. Do you have a question for Father Gross and I? Yes. Um, I was wondering, how do we know that the Assumption of Mary happened? Wonderful. The, um... Well, the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary into Heaven has been uh, celebrated uh, on the 15th of August. It is a uh, holy day of obligation when it falls between a Tuesday and a Friday uh, in the Church. And that's one of these things that uh, is uh, conveyed to us primarily through sacred scripture. Um, there isn't, uh, in, that, that is not primarily conveyed through sacred scripture, is what I mean to say. We don't have a, um, a specific account of this, um, but... Uh, 
through sacred tradition, we have the um, you know, we have the standard of um, uh, Mary having been assumed into heaven when the court when she had fulfilled the course of when her earthly life had run its course. I guess is the poetic way that uh, the church often speaks about that. And there's one story that accompanies this. I, I, I hope I'm getting the specific <clears throat> details of it correct. That uh, Saint Thomas, who initially had not been present when Jesus first appeared in his resurrection to the apostles also had been the apostle who was not present as Mary was coming to the end of her life and so rather than to say specifically whether she you know died a natural death or not but um, uh, later on the apostles bring um, you know bring Mary to the place you know where she was to be laid to rest and she was not there St. Thomas must be a lot like me always late (laughs) (laughs) driving faster my guardian angel can fly here's some things about uh, you know this question about the assumption is so beautiful and like you said it comes from sacred tradition a lot of people don't realize first of all the assumption literally means that she's assumed body and soul into heaven mm-hmm. so literally in heaven right now there are pure spirits you know mary has a body there aren't bodies in heaven right now not until the final judgment right. when raised glorified mm-hmm. bodies however there are a few others if you look closely at sacred scripture elijah was taken up in the fiery chariot. He was taken up body and soul into heaven, right? Mm-hmm. He appeared on the, the Mount Transfiguration in his body, right? Um, uh, Enoch, Enoch from there, the book of Genesis. He was the first one, though, right? Mm-hmm. The Lord loved him so much, says he took him up into heaven that he didn't, did not die. Yeah. He didn't suffer death. The other one a lot of people don't realize is through the, the Jewish oral tradition, Moses. They speak, because there's no tomb of Moses. They speak of Moses as having been assumed body and soul into heaven, which is interesting because both Elijah and Moses appeared with Christ. Right, in the and, transfiguration. And if they're the two, right? Mm-hmm. So according to my count, that's, uh, that's yeah. uh, Enoch, Elijah, Moses, and Mary. So we know that there's, and Christ has, you know, his body as well but mm-hmm. but it's very rare to see a body in heaven because yeah. everybody's waiting for that final judgment there's another little uh, theological wrinkle to this um the our brothers and sisters in the eastern uh catholic church and the orthodox church often use the title the dormition of the blessed virgin mary that word d-o-r-m-i-t-i-o-n is derived from the same root where we get the word dormant you know or dormitory to to sleep. kind of yeah a, a falling asleep in a sense. And so there are those who hold that Mary shared so completely in the uh, destiny and the ministry of Christ that she was also granted you know, a natural death prior to being assumed to heaven. There are others who say that because of her being immaculately conceived, that such a natural death would not have been proper. So we believe that is a question to be answered in the great beyond. How they cover that, they say, at the moment of her death. So they don't say, did it happen before she died? Right. So yeah, this yeah. When, when her earthly life had run its course <laughs> is, is kind of the, the yeah, so the, the political, you might say, way of, of, of wording that statement. Well, we, we thank you so much for your question this morning. And, and we're, we're so happy that somebody so young is so interested in their faith. <laughs> thank you, Lucia. You're welcome. Wonderful. Have a, have a blessed day and a Merry Christmas. Okay. And thank that, you. No, you bet. That number for Straight Talk is one eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Okay. Okay. 
We have a question, I think, that has been submitted. And uh, Eli, go ahead and give us that question, if you would, please. Yeah, so Mary from Duluth called in, and she didn't want to be on the, on the phone, but she left her question with us. Her question is, what are the promises that we ask for when we pray the rosary and say at the end of the Hail Holy Queen, quote, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ? Ah, very good. Well, I don't know if there's, there might be a very exact, correct theological answer. I don't, if that's the case, I don't know exactly what it is. But, I mean, immediately what occurs to me, well, what, what is Mary doing? Mary's taking us to Christ. Why is she taking us to Christ? Because God the Father sent him to us. Why? To reestablish relationship with God the Father. To, to bring us into, away from Satan and evil to be done with that, to come into glory, to go to God the Father. So the, the promise of Christ is what? If, if you come under my authority, if you're baptized into me, I will give you eternal life. Mm-hmm. Life forever with Father, the Heavenly Father in glory, what you were made for. Yeah. So the end of the Gospel of Matthew, I will be with you all day, always until the end of the age. That's in a general sense the promise. I tend to think that some of the uh, saints that had a particularly strong Marian influence, maybe St. Louis de Montfort or others, would have some specific things to say about uh, that as, as it relates to the rosary. But I tend, with Father Leffer, to think of it in a general sense of the uh, the accomplishing of our redemption and, and the Paschal mystery of Jesus. And, and, and you bring up a great point, Father Gross, because these different devotions, they do come with, you know, different promises, like the brown scapular has certain promises, the um, and so praying the rosary, the, like the first praying the first Saturdays, praying the first Fridays, mm-hmm. each and but at the heart of every one of them is what relationship with Christ, salvation, being yep. with God and the community of saints for all of you. Sanctifying grace, justification, like uh, Saint Paul says in chapter six of his letter to the Romans, that uh, we enter into the death of Christ through baptism, so that we may be reborn and enter into it. And, and this is why, like, okay, we hear we have the seven sacraments, right? The big sacraments, the Christ, but we also have these called sacramentals, which mm-hmm. I mean, they're little signs, little devotions that lead us to the sacraments or to so uh, praying the rosary. These different devotions are so important. Having holy water, water around your house, having a crucifix on the wall, mm-hmm. gathering, praying the family rosary or, or family prayers, mm-hmm. doing your morning, evening prayers. Why are those so important? They take you to the sacraments. Why is that so important? Because it takes you to God the Father in Christ through his suffering, right. death, and resurrection. Another example of that in terms of the piety and personal practice that I saw recently on a website, uh, alatea.org, was a beautiful story about um, the German tradition of a holy corner, setting up a corner perhaps in the living room or a prominent room in the house with images of our Blessed Mother and St. Joseph, a crucifix. In many cases, that would have been a crucifix with candles recessed inside of it as a sick kit. So lots of different things. Okay, that that. That, that's awesome. So we thank for the call. Um, I have a, a text that's come in, and I don't know if we want to step into this one, but I'll, I'll say it, and here we go. Okay. okay. The question is, how can priests and parishioners work together to promote reverence in the liturgy? Mm-hmm. You know, what I love about this question is <clears throat> it's not like a black and white thing of saying this is right, that's wrong, but it's, it's a question of how do priests and laity work together mm-hmm. and, and i think that, i mean to me that that's beautiful in, in in the sense of that's what we're called to do right the head yeah. and the heart mm-hmm. you know the head without the heart is yeah. dead the heart without the head is dead mm-hmm. but together you have life and the fullness of life right and, and so 
in addition to the collaboration of priests and parishioners with regard to reverence in the liturgy, what I was thinking of is that I think for, for, for you and me as Gen Xers, so to speak, I think we had an experience a lot in the 70s and 80s where the experience of church was like making church look like everything else around us rather than setting the experience of church apart as something that spoke of transcendence. You know, um, there, there's, there's a desire for increased relevance in, in the course of one's, one's life uh, with regard to the worship of God and things like that. But when the environment we enter into and the sounds and things like that become so much a reflection of what is around us, people can um, uh, subconsciously ask themselves, well, you know, what's the point? What's the point of doing this if I'm not really encountering the divine, if I'm not really having an encounter of otherness? So I always think of the cross, right? The, the vertical and horizontal. So uh, just like with our moral theology, it needs to be balanced. Vertical and horizontal, same with the liturgy. So what the vertical represents our relationship between us and God, God the Father, that going upward motion. Mm-hmm. The horizontal is, is across the board, everybody together. If it's balanced, you're going to have a powerful, powerful experience of liturgy that is reverent and beautiful, true mm-hmm. worship. If any of those get out of balance, then then suddenly something happens, or it's like trying to drive a car with two wheels instead of four. And so, I'd say on, on the part of the priest, on the part of the priest, um, you know, he really does have a responsibility to have knowledge, to be informed, to to read and be informed himself. And if he feels lacking in that, to pursue it to be informed because he's responsible to teach you know the, the people the, the people on their part they they really need to be responsible for owning their needs and what, mm-hmm. what it is and then coming together and re- relating together so that that balance can can yes. come up. but most importantly is actually having charity for one another mm-hmm. you know respecting each other speaking to each other um, these yep, collaborating in order to share that vision of what you want this Sunday experience to be Okay, we have, we have another. Oh, which one of these do you, do you want? Christmas gifts or fasting here, Father? We've got about four minutes left here. So the um, how, well, the fasting is out the window today with all of the candy surrounding us here at the J Mart. Okay, this is a little fun one. Let's throw this okay. out there and see what kind of gifts do priests appreciate during the Christmas season? Okay, mm. you know that's kind of a good question because I, I have this thing I always throw out to people: Can anybody love a priest? Do you know how to love a priest? You know, like, and I mean that very sincerely, like. It's kind of hard to know how to love your parish priest, you know, because people will, will look at the priest, they'll draw all kinds of conclusions, and then they'll say, they'll say things like, wow, Father needs a break, or you should have a break, and then they'll give you a suggestion, and then you, <laughs> but that's about the last thing that would comfort you, right, or what have you, or, or whatever, or everybody watches his father, father's gaining weight, but they bring in all these incredible kolaches and everything that he just can't <laughs> help that he, that he eats. So, so this is a great question. Yeah. How about for yourself? What, how would you answer this? What? How, you know, it doesn't really bother me if there are practical sorts of things. You know, there may be certain uh, occasions where people think, well, we don't want to make this too materialistic and stuff, um, you know, but uh, if if there's uh, something that is homemade that is from the heart that's really beautiful because it will remind us of that particular family or household or things like that. But, you know, particular things, um, I guess I myself, you know, aren't, I, I don't get caught up in a lot of the trappings of it has to be, you know, something packaged and wrapped, you know, so a, a gift card in an envelope, hey, <laughs> well, okay. go, go for it. <laughs> okay, so here, like, and I think a lot of it has to do with your where you're assigned. So, like, for me, for example, people will, they'll give me a gift card to the J Mart, 
Okay. Come, and I love that because it supports the community. I need to come to the Jmart and buy mm-hmm. uh, groceries anyway. Um, or they'll give me a gift card to the, the sandbar across the way for a nice supper or something. I love that because it supports the community or the local thing. That, and it meets my mm-hmm. need. Plus, I can involve other people. I can use that gift card and I can take a bunch of other people out for, for meal. You can kind of evangelize or just have fun or spread or whatever. But, but you're right. Those kind of, I love those, those gifts that give, it creates more relationship or whatever with the, with the body of Christ mm-hmm. um, at that part. So Yeah, and people are very people are very generous, they're very thoughtful. Extreme. And I think and we really what I always realize that. is that people really want to say thank you to their priest. They really do. They want mm-hmm. to say thank you for and they see what the sacrifices that the priest makes mm-hmm. uh, so forth. So um, so you're not opposed if the listeners send you some gift cards there, Father Gross. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we can always, in a, in a subtle way, re-gift them if we need to as well. So, But that's a whole other topic, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. And, you know, and that's the thing about gift cards, because you really can use them for people who you know that nobody else would know. To try to meet needs Absolutely. that aren't evident to it, the community. It's yeah. totally awesome. Right. That's right. Well, what okay. do we got coming up here, Father Chris? Well, we want to say thanks to those who called in or wrote in with their questions. And this segment occurs every time we have uh, Real Presence Live, uh, 9.30 Central Time, every Monday through Friday. Coming up at the top of the next hour, J- Father Jason Miller will join us on the beautiful liturgy of the latin mass and then later in the show strap in for the 10 minute tour i'm joining father jason leffer father james gross with you from the old general store in pizek north dakota the second hour of real presence live is around the corner please stay with us